names are Teresa and Gumby. Welcome to Escaping Society. We wrote our own song so we wouldn't have to pay for anyone else's copyright infringement. Welcome to Escaping Society, episode 49, I Sing the Open Road. I'm Teresa. I'm Gumby. And this episode, we are going to share a remarkable poem by Walt Whitman called Song of the Open Road. And this poem, I've been familiar with this poem for uh, many years. When I took off to be a hobo when I was younger, I uh, carried a journal with me. And I memorized a lot of poems, like particularly Robert Frost poems, because they were short and I remember many a night, like, uh, traveling around, being in a strange place, like, bedding down underneath an overpass with the traffic really loud over me and feeling uh, really vulnerable and alone. And those poems were really comforting to me. You know, I'd just, like, either out loud to myself or in my head, I'd go through all these Robert Frost poems, you know, and um, it would just kind of give me a sense of familiarity. Like, I don't know, those poems were just... Uh, a powerful thing to carry with me to, to bring me back to why I was traveling that open road. And also I knew a little bit about this poem we're about to share. Um, it's been kind of a tradition with me for a long time that in the springtime I will like um, read this poem and I'll share this poem. Like I've been sharing it verse by ver- verse, like maybe a verse a day. How many verses are in this poem? Do you know off the top of your head? There's 15 stanzas. 15 verses. verses or stanzas. And uh, so once a day, I'd share another one, you know, for 15 days in a row. And that's kind of the, the way I'd celebrate spring. You know, I'd share it on Facebook or whatever. So, um, yeah, we want to share it as kind of a celebration of springtime, of the warm weather, of that feeling of just, you know, that spring fever where you're, you're inspired. The earth, you're falling in love with the earth again, and it's welcoming you back. And you just want to pack up your little rucksack and hit that open road and just go meet the world on its own terms. Um, and this poem to me has always been a beautiful, um, song of that, a beautiful, uh, just captures the spirit of that. And I had one of the verses of this poem written on the back of my journal when I was a hobo. Um, so I'd read it really often and it would, uh, inspire me and remind me of what I wanted from that open road. Teresa, you look like you maybe had something to say. Well, I did. I want to um, get to the poem, too, but I definitely uh, have really embodied this poem in the past couple weeks. We've been reading it out loud on different days in different ways, and I was uh, copying it down from the Internet and reading it to myself. And, uh, and well, we got high one day and analyzed it line by line. <laughs> but yeah. I highly recommend reading poetry when you're high, by the way. Yeah, we spent hours, like, after every line talking about what we thought it meant and everything. So that was a pretty cool uh, cool way to spend a uh, stoned afternoon. And, yeah, this poem, um, you know, at times, like, there could be lists of things that you're reading off. But I just, I don't know, I've, I've really discovered uh, a deeper, profound meaning. And especially now in this time of uh, quarantine and self-isolation and sheltering in place, I feel like this poem is is an act of defiance. Like, <laughs> I mean, it reads differently right now than any other year that I've read it. Um, 
this this feeling of just you know scattering yourself among men and women as you go and tossing the new gladness and roughness among them and uh you know this this reminder of the nearby delicious freedom of death i mean there's just so much in this poem that um really calls me to to go out there and to like connect with people to connect with all the the images and sensations and and experiences that are out there um and so I really want to throw that out there, too, in this time when everything's telling us, you know, hide from the world, shelter, you know, like just you know, quarantine. And, um, you know, you can you can take that how you want. Some people are treating quarantine in different ways. But no matter how you're uh, what you feel called to do in relation to this virus, um, I'd say remember that springtime happening out there. Remember that open road and like don't let it completely shut you down because already I feel like society is kind of pushing us in that direction. So, all right, that's a long preamble. Um, and else? now. <laughs> and now. And um, one more thing, we're outside and Walt Whitman said, always read his poems out loud and outside. That's the, the way air. they are in the open air. That's the way they were meant to be read. So, Song of the Open Road by Walt Whitman. Afoot and light-hearted, I take to the open road. Healthy, free, the world before me, the long brown path before me leading me wherever I choose. Henceforth I ask not good fortune. I myself am good fortune. Henceforth I whimper no more, postpone no more, need nothing. Done with indoor complaints, libraries, querulous criticisms, strong and content I travel the open road. The earth, that is sufficient. I do not want the constellations any nearer. I know they are very well where they are. I know they suffice for those who belong to them. Still here I carry my old delicious burdens. I carry them, men and women, I carry them with me wherever I go. I swear it is impossible for me to get rid of them. I am filled with them, and I will fill them in return. You road I enter upon and look around. I believe you are not all that is here. I believe that much unseen is also here. Here the profound lesson of reception, nor preference, nor denial. The black with his woolly head, the felon, the diseased, the illiterate person are not denied. The birth, the hasting after the physician, the beggar's tramp, the drunkard's stagger, the laughing party of mechanics, the escaped youth, the rich person's carriage, the fop, the eloping couple, the early market man, the hearse, the moving of furniture into the town, the return back from the town, they pass. I also pass. Anything passes. None can be interdicted. None but are accepted. None but shall be dear to me. You air that serves me with breath to speak. You objects that call from diffusion my meanings and give them shape. You light that wraps me in all things in delicate, equable showers. You paths worn in the irregular hollows by the roadsides. I believe you are latent with unseen existences. You are so dear to me. You flagged walks of the cities. You strong curbs at the edges. You ferries. You planks and posts of wharves, you timber-lined sides, you distant ships, you rows of houses, you window-pierced facades, you roofs, you porches and entrances, you copings and iron guards, you windows whose transparent shells might expose so much, 
you doors and ascending steps, you arches, you gray stones of interminable pavements, you trodden crossings. From all that has touched you, I believe you have imparted to yourselves, and now would impart the same secretly to me. From the living and the dead, you have peopled your impassive surfaces, and the spirits thereof would be evident and amicable with me. The earth expanding right hand and left hand, the picture alive, every part in its best light. The music falling in where it is wanted and stopping where it is not wanted. The cheerful voice of the public road, the gay, fresh sentiment of the road. Oh, highway I travel, do you say to me, do not leave me? Do you say, venture not? If you leave me, you are lost. Do you say I am already prepared? I am well beaten and undenied. Adhere to me? O public road, I say back, I am not afraid to leave you. Yet I love you. You express me better than I can express myself. You shall be more to me than my poem. I think heroic deeds were all conceived in the open air, and all free poems also. I think I could stop here myself and do miracles. I think whatever I shall meet on the road, I shall like. And whoever beholds me shall like me. I think whoever I see must be happy. From this hour, I ordain myself loosed of limits and imaginary lines, going where I list, my own master, total and absolute, listening to others, considering well what they say, pausing, searching, receiving, contemplating, gently but with undeniable will divesting myself of the holds that would hold me. I inhale great draughts of space. The east and the west are mine, and the north and the south are mine. I am larger, better than I thought. I did not know I held so much goodness. All seems beautiful to me. I can repeat over to men and women, you have done such good to me, I would do the same to you. I will recruit for myself and you as I go. I will scatter myself among men and women as I go. I will toss a new gladness and roughness among them. Whoever denies me, it shall not trouble me. Whoever accepts me, he or she shall be blessed and shall bless me. Now if a thousand perfect men were to appear, it would not amaze me. Now if a thousand beautiful forms of women appeared, it would not astonish me. Now I see the secret of the making of the best persons. It is to grow in the open air and to eat and sleep with the earth. Here, a great personal deed has room. Such a deed seizes upon the hearts of the whole race of men. Its effusion of strength and will overwhelms law and mocks all authority and all argument against it. Here is the test of wisdom. Wisdom is not finally tested in schools. Wisdom cannot be passed from one having it to another not having it. Wisdom is of the soul, is not susceptible of proof, is its own proof. Applies to all stages and objects and qualities and is content. Is the certainty of the reality and immortality of things and the excellence of things. Something there is in the float of the sight of things that provokes it out of the soul. Now I re-examine philosophies and religions. They may prove well in lecture rooms, yet not prove at all under the spacious clouds and along the landscape and flowing currents. 
Here is realization. Here is a man tallied. He realizes here what he has in him. The past, the future, majesty, love. If they are vacant of you, you are vacant of them. Only the kernel of every object nourishes. Where is he who tears off the husks for you and me? Where is he that undoes stratagems and envelopes for you and me? Here is adhesiveness. It is not previously fashioned. It is apropos. Do you know what it is as you pass to be loved by strangers? Do you know the talk of those turning eyeballs? Here is the afflux of the soul. The afflux of the soul comes from within through embowered gates, ever-provoking questions. These yearnings, why are they? These thoughts in the darkness, why are they? Why are there men and women that while they are nigh me, the sunlight expands my blood? Why, when they leave me, do my penance of joy sink flat and lank? Why are there trees I never walk under but large and melodious thoughts descend upon me? I think they hang there winter and summer on those trees and always drop fruit as I pass. What is it I interchange so suddenly with strangers? What with some driver as I ride on the seat by his side? What with some fisherman drawing his seine by the shore as I walk by and pause? What gives me to be free to a woman's and man's goodwill? What gives them to be free to mine? The efflux of the soul is happiness. Here is happiness. I think it pervades the open air, waiting at all times. Now it flows unto us. We are rightly charged. Here rises the fluid and attaching character. The fluid and attaching character is the freshness and sweetness of man and woman. The herbs of the morning sprout no fresher and sweeter every day out of the roots of themselves than it sprouts fresh and sweet continually out of itself. Toward the fluid and attaching character exudes the sweat of the love of young and old. From it falls distilled the charm that mocks beauty and attainments. Toward it heaves the shuddering, longing ache of contact. Allons! Whoever you are, come travel with me. Traveling with me, you find what never tires. The earth never tires. The earth is rude, silent, incomprehensible at first. Nature is rude and incomprehensible at first. Be not discouraged. Keep on. There are divine things well enveloped. I swear to you, there are divine things more beautiful than words can tell. Allons, we must not stop here. However sweet these laid-up stores, however convenient this dwelling, we cannot remain here. However sheltered this port and however calm these waters, we must not anchor here. However welcome the hospitality that surrounds us, we are permitted to receive it but a little while. Allons! The inducement shall be greater. We will sail pathless and wild seas. We will go where winds blow, waves dash, and the Yankee Clipper speeds by under full sail. Allons! <laughs> With power, liberty, the earth, the elements, health, defiance, gaiety, self-esteem, curiosity, Allons from all formulas, from your formulas, O oh bad-eyed and materialistic priests. The stale cadaver blocks up the passage. The burial waits no longer. Allons! 
Yet take warning. He traveling with me needs the best blood, fuse, endurance. None may come to the trial till he or she bring courage and health. Come not here if you have already spent the best of yourself. Only those may come who come in sweet and determined bodies. No diseased person, no rum drinker or venereal taint is permitted here. I and mine do not convince by arguments, similes, rhymes. We convince by our presence. Listen, I will be honest with you. I do not offer the old smooth prizes, but offer rough new prizes. These are the days that must happen to you. You shall not heap up what is called riches. You shall scatter with lavish hand all that you earn or achieve. You but arrive at the city to which you were destined. You hardly settle yourself to satisfaction before you are called by an irresistible call to depart. You shall be treated to the ironical smiles and mockings of those who remain behind you. What beckonings of love you receive, you shall only answer with passionate kisses of parting. You shall not allow the hold of those who spread their reached hands toward you. Allons! After the great companions, and to belong to them. They too are on the road. They are the swift and majestic men. They are the greatest women. Enjoyers of calms of seas and storms of seas. Sailors of many a ship. Walkers of many a mile of land. Habitues of many distant countries. Habitues of far distant dwellings. Trusters of men and women. Observers of cities. Solitary toilers. Pausers and contemplators of tufts, blossoms, shells of the shore. Dancers at wedding dances. Kissers of brides. Tender helpers of children. Bearers of children. Soldiers of revolts. Standers by gaping graves. Lowerers down of coffins. Journeyers over consecutive seasons, over the years, the curious years, each emerging from that which preceded it. Journeyers as with companions, namely their own diverse phases. Fourth steppers from the latent, unrealized baby days. Journeyers gaily with their own youth. Journeyers with their bearded and well-grained manhood. Journeyers with their womanhood. Ample, unsurpassed, content. Journeyers with their own sublime old age of manhood or womanhood. Old age. Calm, expanded, broad with the haughty breadth of the universe. Old age. Flowing free with the delicious nearby freedom of death. Allons to that which is endless as it was beginningless. To undergo much. Tramps of days, rests of nights, to merge all in the travel they tend to and the days and nights they tend to. Again, to merge them in the start of superior journeys, to see nothing anywhere but what you may reach it and pass it, to conceive no time, however distant, but what you may reach it and pass it, to look up or down no road but it stretches and waits for you, however long but it stretches and waits for you. To see no being, not gods or any, but you also go thither. To see no possession, but you may possess it, enjoying all without labor or purchase, abstracting the feast, yet not abstracting one particle of it. 
to take the best of the farmer's farm and the rich man's elegant villa, and the chaste blessings of the well-married couple and the fruits of orchards and flowers of gardens, to take to your use out of the compact cities as you pass through, to carry buildings and streets with you afterward wherever you go, to gather the minds of men out of their brains as you encounter them, to gather the love out of their hearts, to take your lovers on the road with you for all that you leave them behind you, to know the universe itself as a road, as many roads, as roads for traveling souls. All parts away for the progress of souls, all religion, all solid things, arts, governments, all that was or is apparent upon this globe or any globe falls into niches and corners before the procession of souls along the grand roads of the universe. Of the progress of the souls of men and women along the grand roads of the universe, all other progress is the needed emblem and sustenance. Forever alive, forever forward, stately, solemn, sad, withdrawn, baffled, mad, turbulent, feeble, dissatisfied, desperate, proud, fond, sick, accepted by men, rejected by men. They go, they go. I know that they go, but I know not where they go. But I know that they go toward the best, toward something great. Whoever you are, come forth, or man or woman, come forth. You must not stay sleeping and dallying there in the house, though you built it, or though it has been built for you. Out of the dark confinement, out from behind the screen, it is useless to protest. I know all and expose it. Behold, through you as bad as the rest, through the laughter, dancing, dining, supping of people, inside of dresses and ornaments, inside of those washed and trimmed faces, behold a secret, silent loathing and despair. No husband, no wife, no friend trusted to hear the confession. Another self, a duplicate of every one, skulking and hiding it goes. Formless and wordless through the streets of the cities, polite and bland in the parlors, in the cars of railroads, in steamboats, in the public assembly, home to the houses of men and women, at the table, in the bedroom, everywhere, smartly attired, countenance smiling, form upright, death under the breast bones, hell under the skull bones, under the broadcloth and gloves, under the ribbons and artificial flowers keeping fair with the customs, speaking not a syllable of itself, speaking of anything else, but never of itself. Allons! Through struggles and wars, the goal that was named cannot be countermanded. Have this past struggles succeeded? What has succeeded? Yourself? Your nation? Nature? Now understand me well. It is provided in the essence of things that from any fruition of success, no matter what, shall come forth something to make a greater struggle necessary. My call is the call of battle. I nourish active rebellion. He going with me must go well armed. He going with me goes often with spare diet, poverty, angry enemies, desertions. Allons! The road is before us. It is safe. I have tried it. My own feet have tried it well. Be not detained. Let the paper remain on the desk unwritten and the book on the shelf unopened. Let the tools remain in the workshop. Let the money remain unearned. Let the school stand. Mind not the cry of the teacher. Let the preacher preach in his pulpit. Let the lawyer plead in the court and the judge expound the law. 
Camarado, I give you my hand. I give you my love, more precious than money. I give you myself before preaching or law. Will you give me yourself? Will you come travel with me? Shall we stick by each other as long as we live? Boom. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was the poem. Um, the first time I encountered it, like Gumby said, he was posting it on his uh, Facebook page. And, I mean, I read it and I, I liked it. I liked the general sentiment of it. But then after really reflecting on especially like those lists, like the the people coming into town and leaving town and, and those that you might meet on the road, the greatest companions, the best people, it really reminds me of our travels, whether we're hitchhiking or backpacking and just encountering people that give us rides, give us a bottle of water on the hottest day or anything like that. And it just really struck me like, wow, I'm not sure what inspired Walt Whitman, but he really nailed it. Yeah, I remember like when I was a teenager and I was smoking a lot of weed, (laughs) um, I guess I didn't have anything else to do this one time. And so I got this old Robert Frost book and I started reading while I was stoned these poems out loud. Um, And my God, the depth that I like coming at them with fresh eyes, like it was so satisfying to read poetry out loud. Um, And the first time I encountered this poem in particular was in a book of compilations, like little excerpts of, of poems. So I thought this book, this poem was like, two verses long. (laughs) And, um, I love the two verses. That's when I wrote it on the back of my journal before I took off to be a hobo. It wasn't later. Um, it was later that I encountered the entire poem. And at first I thought it was kind of comical, like, holy shit, this guy's got a lot to say. (laughs) Like he just goes on and on. He, he talks about every single thing he saw, but that was when I read it silently and it felt kind of long and cumbersome and, I got to say, it didn't really impress me that much. I thought it was too long. But then when I read that he said his poems are meant to be read outside, out loud, I lived in the middle of uh, Durham in the city at that time, and I had this little apartment. And I remember I stepped outside on the porch, and there were, like, people walking around. You know, it's a city, and I was just like, fuck it. I'm going to read this poem out loud. I don't care what they think. And I read it out loud, and, man, it was completely different. I wanted it to keep going. It was such a... uh, And a flux of the soul. I mean, it just felt like something was pouring out of me. And these images, they just rang so true and so deep. Um, Yeah, and I just... I really liked that imagery of the road stretching like in any direction. It's like, choose your own adventure. You could go straight, you could go left, right. You could go back to where you came from. But you're going to encounter life. And that's where you grow. And I love his uh, observation that we're all on the road. Mm-hmm. Whether know? we know it or not. Yeah, I feel like he's not beckoning you to, um, like, explore the road in contrast to people who are not. He's beckoning you to be conscious of mm. being on the road, to act like you're on the road. Because all these people, you know, what does he say? Hell under the skull bones. Death under the breast bones. Hell yeah. under the skull bones. That's like describing a lot of what people feel in this society. Yeah, the artificial flowers, the facade, the cold smiles, you know, that he describes. Um, those people, I like how he acknowledges they're on the road too. There's nothing else but the road. Mm-hmm. They just act like they're not. 
So to me, he's like really calling us forth to like bring that roughness and gladness. And uh, we just got done bathing at the creek. You know, we're kind of <laughs> out in the country right now. Um, the occupied lands mm-hmm. of the Eno. Yes. And the Carolina parakeet. We are in the occupied lands of the Eno and the Carolina parakeet. We heard that. Do you know where you, I think you brought up that idea, Teresa. Do you know where you got that? Like somebody what talking. Was that podcast that we just listened to this morning? What the Green it? Flame? Yeah. Yeah. So the Green Flame, we know we, we've plugged this in Monopoly on Violence. And uh, it's a great, if you're interested in anything we're talking about, you'd probably find something you like in the Green Flame. Um, that's a great podcast to listen to. Um, but they talk about occupied lands. And I, I thought about... Wow, by changing your language, you know, and to, to look, to research what tribes lived here before we renamed it is a powerful thing. So we're out here in the occupied lands of the Eno. And like Teresa said, I like to go beyond, you know, because that still gets you stuck in the, uh, the idea that people own the land. Mm-hmm. So the occupied lands of the Eno and the Carolina parakeet, and for that matter, the, the northern cardinal and the white-tailed deer and, <laughs> you know just these lands that we've kind of colonized that the colonizers call uh, Durham County. Mm-hmm. And this um, creek that we went to, this creek we went to this morning was so charged from this torrential downpour last night. And uh, just like in the poem, like now we are rightly charged. I always say like, wow, look at that charged up s- the stream or the creek. It's so happy. And, and whether we're traveling uh, on a bigger adventure or just like going out to town, like, you feel a certain energy when you're moving and experiencing life. Yeah. And Walt Whitman, you know, when I read about his life, there's things I agree with, things I don't agree with. Uh, in some ways, he was kind of an asshole. He wasn't, um, <laughs> he was not uh, super sympathetic to the plight of the Indians at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, he was possibly a racist. Um, for those of you who, like, um, you know, as in the progressive realm, you know, he might have been like way ahead of his time as far as being like homosexual or bisexual, um, which was something that was like the sexuality of his poetry was really something that people tried to use to condemn him back then. And sensuality. Yeah. Um, a lot of the things I think people say that are sexual about his poetry, I don't, I feel the sexual energy of it, but I don't think it was blatantly about sex. I think it was sensuality that kind of lends itself to sex if you're looking for it, but also lends itself to just a life fully lived. Exactly. Um, just really embodied. And I feel like that's a big part of what this poem's about. Um, so yeah, that's why this poem has been such a, a ritual for me since I started reading out loud for many years now, just to find some way to share it, to explore it in the springtime. Cause I feel like this is a springtime poem. Cause that's even when I was in school, I remember, you know, it'd get to be springtime. Um, when do you start, start school? Like in the autumn. So mm-hmm. I'd already been through like half a semester or whatever. I'm looking out the window and I'm just thinking, my God, I just wish I could just start walking. Like there's adventures out there. There are things calling me. There are things I can't even imagine that are out there waiting for me to have the balls, the guts to go meet them. And this poem, that's what this is about. To just head out there, strong and content, my own master, total and absolute, you know, mocking all law and authority. Just go out there, get the, you know, wisdom is of the soul. It's not something that can be taught in a school. Um, all that is so, so much of this poem, line by line, just embodies so much of my own reflections and um, observations. Um, and the older I get, I just find more and more depth in it, more to to 
align with. And as far as Walt Whitman, the things that are uh, I'm critical of him on, um, you know, possibly being a racist and, um, you know, things of that nature. A Western expansionist, free yeah. soiler. <laughs> For me, I've never had a problem separating the artist from the art. I can see a certain um, argument to if you're paying money, like buying CDs of somebody that has views you don't agree with, that you're possibly empowering them to do things that you don't agree with. But the thing with Teresa and I is we're scavengers. So we get CDs and music and stuff from the library. I've heard the same argument with Leonard Cohen. Apparently he's got like political beliefs that some people find uh, objectionable, and so they boycott him. I love Leonard Cohen. I think he is a genius songwriter. And if there are beliefs that he has that I don't share, i got no problem with that. And I feel like even better... I get his music for free. I can enjoy it, you know? So in case he is doing something I don't agree with, I'm not empowering that. Same with Michael Jackson. I like mm. some of his music and, you know, there's charges about him with little boys. I, I don't doubt them. And yet, I'm not going to deny that Smooth Criminal is a badass fucking song. <laughs> I'm not going to stop listening to that because the artist had some, uh, shall we say, issues. Mm. He was not <laughs> a smooth criminal. He was not a smooth criminal, but the song was good. <laughs> And uh, getting back to the poem, something else that came to mind was Peace Pilgrim mm. and her adventures and how she would just be so open to what the world has to offer, whether that's a, a sudden downpour or a, like a snowfall and she has to sleep in the snow in a ditch or, you know, somebody coming by right as she's like feeling hungry and saying, hey, would you like some food? I mean, that's the type of stuff that actually happens when you are vulnerable enough to like open yourself and have it there. Mm -hmm. And what's that line in that verse that you read? Uh, I nourish active rebellion. Mm -hmm. I love that. Like to me, that speaks to me right now. Um, because at this point in history, I remember when the Patriot Act came around. Um, I remember that vividly and it was for our own good. There could be terrorists living among us and they could hurt us. So mm -hmm. for your own good, we're going to take away freedoms. We're going to insert ourselves into your lives in ways that you otherwise might not feel comfortable with because you're afraid, and you're going to allow it because you're afraid. So you're willing to give that um, over, you know? And the Patriot Act never went away. It's still here with us. It changed um, the way we live. It changed what the government feels entitled that it can do to control us. So at this time, you know, when all these changes are happening in our lives and things that we felt like were our freedoms, which are questionable in the first place, and even now they have gone away, <laughs> I feel like we really need to nourish active rebellion. We really need to think about what's going on because I don't know about you, but my experience with the government is that when more controls are put in place, they never completely go away. Mm -mm. Um, what and, was that? The, oh, go ahead. And, well, I just want to say, like, one of the things I've been worried about as things have progressed with this quarantine and things mm -hmm. is a lot of the things that I love the most, <laughs> um, dumpster diving, scavenging, hitchhiking. hitchhiking, I can see that this is possibly closing the final door on those. The, just like the hobo army went away. Mm -hmm. um, just like... God, what are some of the things in history that we hear about? That well, are... like union strikes, like people actually getting what they want. They don't get what they want anymore. They get their jobs shipped over to another country. Yeah. So I, I, or I, automated. I, I fear that this is part of the 
final falling of a shroud of acquiescence, that we have finally bent both knees and cannot stand up again. And for those of us that are already walking the path of the, the tramps and the hobos, um, my God, I hope that this is not the last chance I will have to hitchhike. I hope that they have not finally isolated us so much that there will not be another person that will pick up a hitchhiker. And I was just talking to Teresa this morning, like, do you realize I could close the door on dumpster dive? And I've been waiting for this other mm-hmm. foot to fall because it's already frowned upon. You know, cops can kind of harass you about it. What if now the argument is these people are spreading germs? Some of these things get thrown out because someone might have been sick. They get thrown out and these scavengers are now spreading germs and endangering your family members because of their scavenging lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Let's now, get them. Now, instead of just the, the security guard that decides that he's having a bad day and wants to be an asshole, which we've run into this guy at the library, oh the security God. guard, um, you got the whole citizenship that backs that up. Yeah, you're right. That scavenger, he's like a rat. He's spreading diseases. So this is a dangerous time. And I feel like I'm not telling anybody not to think, not to, to take care of yourself in whatever way feels appropriate. But also, don't forget that bigger picture. Don't let them take the open road away from us. Don't let them take that freedom, that scavenging, that hitchhiking, um, that thing, that curious thing that Walt Whitman talks about that you exchange with strangers. Yeah. Don't let them take that away from us. So be careful. Let's all be careful. That's something that I feel strongly right now in this poem really underlines for me. Yeah, I was just going to say, wasn't that a news story on NPR, which we've, that's like, the radio station. About the hitchhiking? Yeah, just all of a sudden came on, and I don't I don't remember in recent memory hearing any stories about hitchhiking. And now, just after this quarantine started, they have a story about, well, this might be the, you know, last, uh, last of the hitchhiking, or hitchhiking might be dead. Says who? And... And why is there a story about it on the radio? I think it's up to people's individual decisions to pick up somebody on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with Whitman. I, I nourish active rebellion. <laughs> and I love, like, I've got the, the last page that we read right in front of me, so I'm reading right from it. And I love that he says, he going with me must be well armed. He going with me goes often with spare diet, poverty, angry enemies, desertions. I love that. Angry enemies. There are going to be plenty of people that don't agree with you, that actively want to stop you, Mm -hmm. that say you are dangerous for what you do. When was this poem written? Mid-1800s? I think so. Yeah, mid-1800s, somewhere around there. So that makes this, what, 200, over 200, no, over 150 years Mm -hmm. old. The same things can be said right now. You think they weren't facing viruses and viral outbreaks? And, I mean, look at some of the, you know, they had yellow fever back then. Um, I was just reading about the presidents around this time. A couple of them, like, um, they were talking about Andrew Johnson was sick with typhoid fever. I mean, this stuff is not brand new. The reaction to it is unprecedented. The virus is not. Mm-hmm. We got to be really careful with how. I don't know. I don't want. This isn't about COVID nineteen, so I don't want to get on too big of a tangent. But <laughs> I'm just saying, like this open road, that spirit. You know, read back through this poem. Read it. Read it yourself. Read it out loud outside. Don't forget. But think about that. You know, that we are at a time right now where that door could be closed for us. That that open road, and that song might die, and. I find that as tragic if that happened as 
You know, we said we're in the occupied lands of the Carolina parakeet. The Carolina parakeet isn't here anymore. I don't want the song of the open road to die either. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that pretty much concludes our episode. Um, I sing the open road. Gumby, did you have anything else? Last words before I, I want to read a um, listener message. Not that I can think of. I'm sure I'll think of stuff after we hit the stop button here, but <laughs> that always happens. Yeah, I just, I really appreciate this poem a hell of a lot more after just reading it over and over and thinking about my own experiences. Yeah, we bring up lines from this poem almost like Christians studying the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we find a lot of meaning in these different verses, and uh, yeah, it's it's, it's a cool thing to dissect. Yeah, and I think we're both looking forward to a little bit in the future here, just getting out there, whether it's hitchhiking or backpacking or going up to the mountains and living up there. Yeah, we're doing pretty well right now with the uh, sheltering in place and everything, like I said, out in the country, and we got our van and everything, and we're bathing in the creek and using the bathroom in the woods, and uh, actually it's pushed us a little bit further off the grid, I would say. Um, So it's got its benefits, but I'm also looking forward to getting back on that open road. I I miss kind of the, the adventure of like heading to the mountains when it gets hotter and I don't know, there's something about that open the road that's that's definitely calling me, so I have my claustrophobic days as well. We don't have Wi-Fi every day, so we don't even have that. So we're just <laughs> <laughs> here's an, a funny irony. We get done with the presidential podcast, which we're such a bear to get through, you know, all the research and everything. And the libraries have shut down. So all I'm left with is all the presidential books that we had to research the presidents. So all I get to read right now is is about U.S. presidents. I can't get away from them. It's Mm. like they cursed us. (laughs) So that's what I'm doing out here a lot is uh, Teresa's doing a whole lot of gardening and I'm doing a lot of reading about more U.S. presidents. Mm -hmm. So, boy. Well, this listener wrote in before all this crazy shit happened, I believe. Um, at least here in the United States. But she wrote in from Canada, and I think it's a she. Uh, The name is Soraya Rose. It says, hello there. I just wanted to reach out and say how much I love and appreciate appreciate your podcast. Been listening and enjoying your humor and knowledge for a while now. Anyways, I hope you keep it up. You've inspired one transient Canadian to keep on the hobo life. Much love. And I thought that really went well with the poem that we read today because it just makes me smile. I'm smiling right now to think of a hobo out there. And I want to say how much I appreciate this message in particular because I think this is the first uh, message we've gotten from somebody who apparently is actively, like, hoboing. (laughs) And listening to our podcast. (laughs) Yeah, and that's that's one of the main audiences we wanted to, uh, like, inspire and help and connect with is people that are trying to hit that open road. So uh, Soraya Rose, is that the name? Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much for that message, and uh, man, I hope, like, if there's anything that we can, like, offer or explore or help you research, let us know. And uh, and if you want to share something about your experience, we would love to hear from other people. Um, just, yeah. Yeah, and particularly right now, we're kind of curious because we're about to, the, the heat is going to drive us out of the Piedmont of North Carolina really soon. We're going to have to hit the open, ro- open road quarantine or not. So I'd be curious to hear about people who are out there. What are the transients doing? How are you navigating all this crap? I would love any tips on that. So definitely. 
And uh, you can reach us on our website, escapingsociety.weebly.com. There, right on the front page, is a comment form. Um, let's see. We also have our Facebook page, and we post some interesting stuff there. And we also have YouTube videos. We've been adding a few here and there since it's springtime. Yeah, we've been doing a lot more videos lately, so check out the YouTube channel. Oh, my God. And I'm going to hopefully, hopefully make one on Ash Cakes. Oh, yeah. We had some awesome Ash Cakes yesterday, but <laughs> tune in later for that. Tune in next time. Thanks for listening. Bye. So, thank you for listening to our song. It's not very good and it went kind of long. Don't care if you like it because we'll be gone over that next horizon. We ain't got no address.